Final seconds of the game. A chance to score and the chance has gone begging. If your business's commerce platform keeps missing the target on golden opportunities, get the MVP you deserve. Get Shopify. <laughs> Shopify is the commerce platform revolutionizing millions of businesses worldwide. Whether you're a garage entrepreneur or IPO ready, Shopify is the only tool that you need to start, run, and grow your business without the struggle. Shopify puts you in control of every sales channel. So whether you're selling signed football boots from Shopify's in-person POS system or you're vending vintage shirts on Shopify's all-in-one e-commerce platform, you are covered. And once you've reached your audience, Shopify has the internet's best converting checkout to help you turn them from browsers to buyers. What I love about Shopify is how, no matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the US. And Shopify is truly a global force, powering Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across over 170 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. This is Possibility, powered by Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash ranks, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com forward slash ranks to take your business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash ranks. Sometimes during Christmas, something magical happens. Hey, Cricket customers. The Max with Ads plan is included with the Cricket $60 Unlimited plan at no additional cost. And this holiday season, Max is the one to watch when you're feeling festive. Son of a nutcracker. Cozy up to all the holiday classics like Elf, 8-Bit Christmas, and the Harry Potter 8 film collection. Just log in with your Cricket username and password to experience Max on all your favorite devices. Phone plan streams and standard definition programming subject to change. Fees, terms, and restrictions apply. See cricketwireless.com for details. Hello, this is international football commentator Derek Ray, and you're listening to the Ranks FC podcast. Hello, Rank Squad, and welcome to Ranks FC. It's your favourite football podcast back for another week. My name is Jack Collins and I'll be your host today. And joining me, it's the birthday boy, Mr. Dean Jones. Happy birthday, mate. How are you doing? I'm good, mate, because I'm still alive. Every birthday is a celebration because I'm still alive. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's good. Uh, I'll That's mournful do, of you. Uh, yep. Yeah, so in the in the last section today, maybe this will become a theme. I'm going to do some uh, life lessons from the guru. Um, we'll, we'll we'll go through some things, some of this wisdom that I've obviously built up for 113 years now. Um, Still behind could, the goal, though. That, that that's the important pass, thing <laughs> that I could pass down. Uh, so yeah, that's to look forward to in part three. But um, yeah, very good. Um, got football boots from my kids as a present and a boot bag. Uh, where it literally felt like I was 12 years old this That's morning. Class, um, yeah. But Dylan and Rhys very excited to to have gone to a sports shop and picked me out some, some boots and a boot bag, which I, I had a feeling I was getting boots because they kept telling me. Uh, but, but yeah. Out of, the, out of the mouths of babes, right? <laughs> but yeah, all good, mate. Yeah, and obviously I'll have pizza later, won't I? So it'll even be even better then. Are you going to Pizza Express? Of course I am. 
Fantastic. Fantastic. <laughs> I've got to say, I had a Pizza Express at the weekend. I had it delivered because they were doing a, a, an offer and it was incredibly disappointing. I was you really, can't get a really pizza. Sad. You have to eat it in. You, you should never do that. Yeah. yeah. It, it's unacceptable. Um, pizza Express has to be. If you eat in, it will be exactly the same pizza every time you ever go. You won't. It won't make the, the standard won't drop. That's what's so good about it. But I've never done that. I've never done what you did because I'm scared of that level dropping, uh, as you experienced. Yeah, it was it was, it was rubbish. It was rubbish. What is a football podcast or a pizza one? What are uh, we doing? Well, I mean, maybe we're doing pizza FC. I was. What what kind oh, of boots yeah. did you get? I'm excited to to find out. They're like these Nike Mercurial ones. Yeah, um, I don't know the official name of them to be honest. They're they're black and blue and white. Um, they're really nice actually. I've never. Uh, think i've had boots like this before uh i was talking on the patreon the other day about how i once had those r9 ones they're probably most similar to that actually in terms of the shape of them um but yeah grew up on on adidas mainly but i don't mind nike at all um i think i had a pair of tiempos i I did think they'd get me nike tiempos but um but no they didn't I'm a bit of an Adidas ultra, so um, I am. I'm starting to support. I can't wait to have is. a kick about, mate. They've they've literally bought me boots because I keep taking them down the pitches. We go for a kick about. There's um, there's a great like AstroTurf 4G pitch, and uh, yeah, Reese gets one goal, Dylan gets another goal. And we all mess around, but I'm always. I haven't got any football boots anymore. Like I gave them away to my nephew, as you know. Uh, so now I've got some boots. I can properly stick Dylan in goal and, and proper have a go at him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He thinks he's a good goalie and he's not. <laughs> <laughs> this is non-league Dean coming back out. I'm excited, <laughs> I'm excited to see it in, in the flesh. Smashing it at him. Fantastic. All right, shall we start with things we love before we get into today's main ranking, which is going to be about transfer fixes for January and, and what's kind of needed for many clubs and, and maybe where they're going with it. But let's start with the let's start with the standard, shall we? Yeah, mate, I love that we've got to December before the first sacking has arrived in the Premier League. It's been great mm. to see teams actually stick with people and see if they can get themselves out of the mess. Like, hopefully this is a trend that continues in years to come. But um, yeah, poor Paul Hagingbottom has, has become the first victim of the season. Casualty. Uh, he yeah, he wins or he loses the sack race. I don't know what we're supposed to say there. Um, either way, he's out. Uh, either way, he's well. lost. <laughs> either way, he's lost. Um, he did not want this to happen. He's, he's lost a lot. I think that's the problem. Um, you know, you can lose... You can get away somehow with losing 8-0 to Newcastle. You can definitely get away with losing 5-0 to Arsenal. You can't get away with losing 5-0 to, to Burnley. The, team, the only team uh, below you in the league. Yeah, that's 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 not going to help. So, yeah, let's see if they can uh, perform a miracle under Chris Wilder to stay up. But uh, on the back of this, mate, I think just a just a quick rank, really. Um, who's next to go? I don't think there's an obvious one, um, and I think we might be looking at very low numbers across the season to actually lose their jobs. I've set up a little list of candidates here, and I want you to pick out a three of who you think will go. You can add someone else if you want. Um, I pitch to you, Steve Cooper, Nottingham Forest, yeah. uh, Roy Hodgson, Crystal Palace, uh, Iraola at Bournemouth, uh, Moyes at West Ham, and Eric Ten Hag, Man United, as five candidates for the chop. Uh, you can pick three of those, or you can add your own if you think I've missed something. No, I think you're about spot on. I actually think that Steve Cooper might go if Fulham beat Nottingham Forest on Wednesday night. I think that the <laughs> attitude has I think the attitude has started to turn and whilst I think he'll always be well regarded and you know loved by the Nottingham Forest fans, I, I do think there's an element now where we're looking at it and going, Okay, 
this is what is it one win in 10 for Forest and weirdly that was a 2-0 win over Aston Villa and you're now looking at it and being like I don't quite know what you're up to I'm, I'm not quite sure exactly how this is planning out and look Vandalos Maranakis is not the most you know sensible when it comes to things and actually at the moment where everyone thought we would sack Cooper last year we gave him a new contract he's a, he's a bit of a wild card at the mm. best of times but I do think that there is this sense of frustration around what's going on at Forest. I think there was an expectation they would kick on this season. Whilst I don't think they'll go down, they basically have a a free hit to embed someone in for some months and actually try to get them playing a style of football that maybe does push them up to or propel them up to where they want to be in the table. So I think Cooper probably tops this list. I don't think Iriola will go. I just I think that Bournemouth have started to turn things around and they look yeah. a lot better it's taken longer than perhaps fans would have wanted but they finally look like they have a real style and they are starting to play in a manner which befits an Iriola team yeah. I think Moyes is an interesting one because West Ham are fine well, are they ninth <laughs> imagine imagine West Ham sacking a manager in ninth I think they have one more point than the season that they actually ended up finishing in seventh which qualified them for the Europa Conference League and started this incredible European run that they're yeah. on, but they are playing some dreadful football. And there is an element of, I think, frustration around the methods. That, that yeah, you've got to be careful though, because they might. this might be the best way to success for West Ham. It, like, it might backfire. You know? It might backfire. Yeah. I think Palace will hang on to Hodgson until the end of the well, season. Well, actually, if Steve Cooper did get sacked, I think that Hodgson would be in danger because Crystal Palace really like Steve Cooper. Yeah, they do. And, they, and they, would, they would sniff an opportunity there. So that could actually be a knock-on effect. What about Ten Hag? Does he see out the season? I don't know. Um, I said on Monday that actually the thing that worries me most about Ten Hag now is that I'm not seeing any sort of stylistic nuance to what they're doing and whilst you can point to Manchester United's injury list I think you could also point to Tottenham Hotspur's injury list you could point to Newcastle United's injury list and you watch both of those teams play and they have a very clear style and they have a very clear idea of exactly what they're trying to do and I actually think the most worrying thing for Ten Hag is that United's identity has been completely eroded and I don't know what they're supposed to look like anymore and that's about as you know, low uh, a bar as I can set. I don't know mm. what type of team Manchester United want to be anymore. And actually, one of the great successes... I think they want to be season, a good one, but they're not. <laughs> yeah, well, but I don't know what type of style they want to implement. I, I think one of the successes of last season was that, you know, you look at the, the Carabao Cup and you think, great, and you see the FA Cup final and that's a step forward and they finish in the Champions League places. All of that, successful season for Ten Hag. Mm. But more than all of it, they implemented a style of play, which I was like, okay, I know what United are trying to do. That has completely disappeared. And whilst he will point to his injury list, I think that we saw Ange Postacoglu's Tottenham turn up to City with half a busload of injuries or suspensions that couldn't play and play in the exact same style that Ange wants them to play every week because he's drilling that into them on the training ground. And I think United's new owners might look at that and be like, hmm, I'm not seeing anything which just it so obviously it, it, the ownership and the the transfer of power to to Jim Ratcliffe matters in this, but I mm. think that he would be third on my list of of those. Yeah, ultimately it's going to depend how he does once Ratcliffe's through the door. Like results are going to determine whether he whether he sticks around or not. Um, then he's not keeping that job at all costs. There's no way that they'll just they'll just allow him to uh, breeze through and continue as you are. Um, but also at the same time, I don't like. 
player power. I don't think Man United players deserve to have any say in whether Eric Ten Hag stays or goes because most of them are a complete letdown. Um, and it's probably, if you look back, you should have probably just axed half of them and like kept Mourinho instead or something. Like They'd have probably done better sticking with a manager rather than this group of players. Yeah, yeah. No, it's just it's possible, isn't it? It was one of those. I saw a, I saw a thing today, a meme on, on Twitter from... Football Joe, I think it was. And it was like, it was the Toy Story meme. It was like United's players after about seven months with the manager. And it was just that thing of, I don't want to play with you anymore. Mm. And it really did make me laugh. But it's it's true in so many ways. We're seeing such a drop off from this player group. And look, I don't think Ten Hag's blameless in all of this. And I have my concerns about the way he's trying to set things up. Mm. But equally, he has to look at that performance at the weekend and be like, you, you're just not trying and that's a very strange place to be. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, but look, Man United, they they have to um, continue for now and just see what comes out in the wash in the new year. I think. Yeah, absolutely. And um, my quick thing I love is that Nico Williams signed a new contract at Athletic Club. There's a he lot did. of talk about him leaving. There was a lot of talk about maybe Barcelona being involved, Liverpool being involved, Aston Villa were linked, Unai Emery, um, trying to look him in, and. He signed a new contract, which is great. And the picture that they put out of the two Williams brothers, which is a re-kind of make of an old picture of the two of them with Iñaki kissing Nico's head, was really lovely. And yeah. then both of them scored at the weekend. And I was like, yes, this is what I want to see. Now, there is a release clause. I think it's around 42 million. And, you know, someone might activate that because Nico Williams is brilliant. But it was just a sense of... There was a lot of chat around this. There was a lot of chat from Nico. He was like, I've got to decide what's best for my future. And it really did look like he was going to let this contract run down and, and move on. And then suddenly out of the blue, it's like, bang, new contract. I was delighted, absolutely delighted with this. It really made me smile uh, back at the end of last week. And I wanted yeah. to just give it some some credence because there is so much about modern football that you look at players you know, kissing the badge and then moving away. And Athletic bucked that trend so much. And then suddenly it was like, oh, the young star boy might just walk away from this. And that's really uncomfortable, especially when Athletic's model revolves around selling players when they do sell them for mm-hmm. high prices, release clause fees, and then reinvesting that into the academy. For him to walk away, I think, would have been a massive body blow to Athletic. So if him signing a new contract yeah. is, is, is great news, I think. Yeah, I mean, my hunch was always that he would stay, just uh, especially as his brother was there. And it, it was always difficult for players to leave Athletic as we learned about the identity when, when we were out there. But um, obviously, it's it's hard to turn down. You know, say Unai Emery is, is knocking at your door and you see what they're starting to Another achieve. Another Basque man, and, of course. <laughs> yeah, and, you know, that that that's a tricky one to turn down. I think there are others that have been mooted that are easier to turn down for him because he's definitely going to want to be part of a philosophy and a culture. Um, but I'm glad he's staying, absolutely. Delighted, delighted. Right, so after the break, we are going to be talking about January and the transfer fixes that clubs need. Don't go anywhere. Looking for a fun way to win 25 times your money this football and basketball season? 
Test your skills on Prize Picks, the most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Just select two or more players, pick more or less on their projection for a wide variety of stats, and place your entry. It's as easy as that. If you have the skills, you can turn $10 into $250 with just a few taps. Easy gameplay, quick withdrawals, and injury insurance on your picks are what make Prize Picks the number one daily fantasy sports app. Ready to test your skills? Join the Prize Picks community of more than 7 million players who have already signed up. Right now, Prize Picks will match your first deposit up to $100. Just visit prizepicks.com/play100 and use code play100. That's code play100 at prizepicks.com/play100 for a first deposit match up to $100. Prize Picks, daily fantasy sports made easy. Looking for a fun way to win up to 25 times your money this football season? Test your skills on Prize Picks, the most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Just select two or more players, pick more or less on their projection for a wide variety of statistics, and place your entry. It's as easy as that. If you have the skills, you can turn $10 into $250 with just a few taps. Easy gameplay, quick withdrawals, and an enormous selection of players and stat options are what make Prize Picks the number one daily fantasy sports app. Ready to test your skills? Join the Prize Picks community of more than 7 million football fans who have already signed up. Right now, Prize Picks will match your first deposit up to $100. Just visit prizepicks.com/get100 and use code GET100. That's code GET100 at prizepicks.com slash get100 for a first deposit matchup to $100. Prize Picks, daily fantasy sports made easy. Looking for a fun way to win 25 times your money this football and basketball season? Test your skills on Prize Picks, the most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Just select two or more players, pick more or less on their projection for a wide variety of stats, and place your entry. It's as easy as that. If you have the skills, you can turn $10 into $250 with just a few taps. Easy gameplay, quick withdrawals, and injury insurance on your picks are what make Prize Picks the number one daily fantasy sports app. Ready to test your skills? Join the Prize Picks community of more than 7 million players who have already signed up. Right now, Prize Picks will match your first deposit up to $100. Just visit prizepicks.com/play100 and use code play100. That's code play100 at prizepicks.com/play100 for a first deposit match up to $100. Prize Picks, daily fantasy sports made easy. Welcome back to Ranks FC. It's time for our main ranking and it's over to the birthday boy to lead today's ranking. We're into December. I'm less than a month now until the January transfer window opens, Dean. And you're taking a look at some Premier League clubs who need fixes in their team and potentially the likely options they are going to turn to once that window does open. Yeah, I mean, every team uh, as, as a fan base would feel like they need things in January and they probably all do need something. But I think the best way to turn this is to try and merge those teams in need, but also with the likelihood of them actually making signings that potentially transform their season uh, or give them what they actually need. Um, before we head into the list of five, just a few mentions along the way. Um, I'm not going to go into Man United details because... 
I think there's still quite a bit that can change around that picture before we even get to January. Um, United will sign someone, but I don't yet know the conditions that are going to sit around that or um, even what is going to be possible. So we're going to leave Man United on the back burner for now, even though I do think they'll they'll try to do something and is probably, you know, a forward will be likely because they can't score goals. Um and they're obviously their big fix across the year will be the defence, particularly yeah. in the centre of their defence. But I think that'll be difficult to do in Jan. And I think if you look across their targets, all of them would be better targeted in the summer. So, um, you know, whether that's uh, Tadebo or Antonio Silva, whoever it is, Branthwaite, Everton, I feel that they're all more attainable in the summer than Jan. So let's see. We'll see when Ratcliffe is um, through the door and actually um, getting his feet under the table as to what he's actually got the capability to do. But I don't want to go with them as a top in the top five. And same with Chelsea, who are always capable of doing something. Clearly might sign a striker, might sign a goalkeeper. Big problems when you don't trust your number nine or your goalkeeper, as we've talked about before. So that's always uh, plausible that a club who has spent a billion pounds already could go and do that. And then there are teams like, say, Crystal Palace, who are very, very thin right now um, and need to pad out their squad, but don't really want to be flexing any financial muscle in this market and just kind of want to get through the season. It's a bit of a sad state of affairs at Crystal Palace, as it is at a few other clubs this season. I think there's who, a lot of clubs in that kind of bracket, right? Where they're, they're not going to go down. They're not going to go down. So therefore, they have that capacity to wait till the summer and yeah. try and work in a slightly more open market. And we know January is a tough market to work in. We know that people overpay often in January because they need quick fixes. And actually... Palace don't have that crying need, despite the fact no. that, you know, they, they could obviously kick on and they could obviously do with some padding, as you say. But they're probably safe as houses. And therefore, there's no real point delving into the January market too deep. No, unless they do bring in a new manager. If, if Steve Cooper did lose his job at Forest, if Palace did appoint him... Uh, at the start of January, and then they had they were looking at a new vision for the club. They would rather save back the money uh, and invest it in the summer under yeah. a new manager, and at the time when they're also investing in the stadium, than they would give anything to Roy Hodgson right now, who's just kind of helping them see through a phase quite safely. So Palace will go into the market as it stands for two lone players, basically, uh, one in midfield uh, to replace Decore, and then uh, an attacking option as well. So they were worth a mention, I think, but. Let's jump into the top five um, and look at number five, which is Arsenal. Now, we don't know for sure yet that they're going to do this, um, but there is definitely possibilities around Arsenal actually signing a striker that helps mm. them win the league. I mean, they're in such a good position here that it must be so tempting. And it'll be a missed opportunity if they don't actually put up a proper fight for the title from here. Well, it's uh, obviously 20 Arsenal... years since they've, since they've won the league. It's a golden opportunity in many ways. And it's come and as a not... surprise. Maybe. It's it, come it's... as a real surprise, mate. There's no way, if you'd have looked at this 18 months ago, Fine. yeah, yeah, yeah. that you'd from have that said that Arsenal would be this well-primed 14 games into the 23-24 season and they are top of the Premier League. They've got a two-point cushion over Liverpool and a three-point cushion on Manchester City. Um, it's a very, very strong uh, spot they've got themselves into. They're not overpowering teams with like three, four, five goals each week, but they've grown from last season. 
you're just wondering where's the reliable source of goals. There's talk today, actually, of them being open to offers for Eddie and Ketia. Um, there's obviously been constant talk about whether Gabby Jesus is reliable enough in front of goal to to get you over the line in, in moments like this, despite the fact he's, he's a very, very good centre forward. It's also and not, then, just, not just in terms of his goals, but his availability. His, you know, he, yeah, he is injury prone and that's, yeah. that's just something that you have to accept with him because, yes, he's incredible and you have to appreciate what he does for the side. But equally, if he's not available for 10 of the 20 games in the run-in, then that's a worry for Arsenal, especially if it should be a busy schedule with them now booked into the Champions League knockouts. You'd imagine they'll be looking at bringing silverware home in, in both the Cups as well. You know, this is an opportunity for Arsenal to go, we're going to just put something in the cabinet and make sure that we're in the conversation. But also they will look at the, this Premier League as an opportunity. They'll also know that City will probably go on an absolutely ridiculous streak in the new year and they'll have to contend with that if they are going to go and try and win the title. Yeah, exactly that. I mean, you look at their top goal scorers so far, you've got Saka on eight, Odegaard on seven, Trossard on six, and then you've got Gabby Jesus and Nketiah on five apiece. They share the goals around and it's worked so far, but we tend to think these days, based on what Man City have ended up doing, that you do need to go down the road of just having a guy that eats up most of your goals. And we also know that Mikel Arteta tends to kind of copy whatever Pep Guardiola sets out as the pattern of football to come. So that's why my instinct comes from that Arsenal do have a genuine instinct and a temptation to go into the market. But as I say, they're not committed to doing this yet. And it'll be interesting to see who comes out as a genuine candidate to sign because at the moment, as we look at it, um, you know, two names that get talked about probably the most are Ivan Tony and Victor Ozymen. Victor Ozymen, I see as a, as a deal you won't be able to do in January. And I certainly don't see Arsenal spending in excess of £100 million to go and sign a centre forward. Yeah, De Laurentiis is hardly going to let him go on the cheap. No, exactly that. Um, and Ivan Tony, you know, I've said this for a while and this I've believed this to be the case. Brentford aren't going to have gone through all this period with Ivan Tony suspended and then getting him back into training and helping him recondition and get into January as available again and then just sell him. I've found that so hard to believe unless they get a ridiculous offer in, which I'm told that Brentford want as much as £80 million for Ivan Tony. I've seen people mention him £50 million. I don't believe they're going to let him go for anything like that. And I think that Arsenal initially thought Back at the start of this calendar year, say March, April time, when they first started thinking about the idea of signing Tony, that when we got to the end of his ban, when that all kind of was set in stone, that £50 million might be a reasonable target for them to hit if they wanted to sign him. And it's just not going to be the case. So is Ivan Tony going to leave? And if so, are Arsenal going to pay £70, £80 million? Not sure they are. Benjamin Sesko was linked last week to Arsenal. Again, I find it difficult to believe that he will leave in the January market. So I think if Arsenal do end up signing a striker, it might end up being somebody that's not actually really been mentioned so far to this point. So I think we have to stay open-minded about this one. I've stuck it in the top five because I feel that it's a definite uh, need. I think it's a need. I I don't think Nketi is okay to have as uh, as your nine at this point. I think you need to be stronger than that. I think you do move him on and then you open up a spot in the squad 
to have a better option available to you if you want to go head to head with Liverpool's forwards and with Erling Haaland and, and his backup crew. So that would be my hunch on what happens with Arsenal. So a couple of things. One, if Arsenal do sell Eddie Nketiah in January, are they going to look back and be like, we made the wrong call when we sold, sold Flo Balogun in the summer? Because well, I don't think he's good enough either. Okay, all right. I mean, I, I think I, that's probably I what it comes down to. Balogun is a more well-rounded forward than Nketiah. And maybe it's yeah. not necessarily just about, yes, okay, you know, as we're talking about, goal scoring is key, but also it's about fitting into this Arsenal system and bringing others into play. And look, I love Balogun. I've got a real thing about how good he is. And he's been pretty sharp for Monaco. His, his record's pretty good. And... I'm not saying also that he is the answer to Arsenal's prayers in, in this exact scenario. But do you think there'll be an element of like, oh, we might have sold the wrong guy? Uh, I don't know, man. I mean, it's, it's a really unexpected situation, I still think, for Arsenal to, to have got this far so fast. And I think that we have to consider that. And, and Balogun... 22 years old. I mean, you, you look at his record in Liga this season, he's got four goals in 11 games. So you can't really say that if he would have stayed at Arsenal, he'd have significantly impacted. If you were looking at a record here of eight or nine goals in 11 games, then maybe, yeah. But I think when you look back at that, you're like, well, would he have got, you know, Nketiah's got more goals than him in a harder league. So... I, I don't think that there's probably too much between them. Ultimately, I don't think either of them are good enough if Arsenal are going to win the league. Okay. And the other question I would probably ask is, you know, you talk about Ivan Tony and, and what that might cost. Brentford's record sale is £28 million for Ollie Watkins to Aston Villa. Are they going to, you know, you're saying £50 million wouldn't be enough, and I, I tend to agree with you. But how much more than that is it? Because surely if Brentford double their record sale, they're in conversations about, you know, we've done another one where we've turned a player around, bought him for, you know, a relatively low fee and turned him on for a massive, massive profit. And Brentford are, you know, for for all intents and purposes, a club that reinvest really cleverly, who look to different markets. Yes, they've started spending a little bit more recently in terms of matching up to their Premier League incomes and their status as a solid Premier League club now. But, you know, they have, when these offers come in, Brentford have tended to accept sort of market-ready offers for players. And that's what maybe tweaks my interest about Ivan Tony because I think if you put £55 million on the table for him, I think Brentford would, would look at it and be like, how could we reinvest £55 million? Probably incredibly well. And they know that they have the ability to, to actually reinvest that properly in a way that maybe some other clubs who take record signs, take Fulham, you know, who take these big fees for players and then look at it and go, oh, we're just going to, you know, splash this in, in potentially silly ways. Brentford aren't like that. Brentford do tend to make the right decisions in these markets. And I think that if you put that kind of money on the table, they might look at it as a massive opportunity. Uh, maybe. I mean, Ollie Watkins, I think they feel in hindsight, they let go for a fee that was too low. Um, but at the time, Ollie Watkins had never played a Premier League uh, match. And so... You know, I think that would have been Aston Villa's argument at the time. They they couldn't guarantee that he was going to be a hit in the Prem and to get almost £30 million for a championship striker is pretty good business. Ivan Tony's 
um, came into the Prem with with with, Bre- with Brentford and has a good regular goal scoring record. He's shown that no matter who he's playing against, he he can do the business. And I think that that Premier League pedigree that he's now built up puts him into a different level of the market than you were probably looking at before. Plus the fact you know he's English and he's knocking on the on the door of the England squad and he will be doing that again once he's he's back and in form. Um, and I think. Also, the market has moved on since Ollie Watkins made that transfer and you now see the, the premiums that are being added to players. And it's also dependent on who's making these offers for your players. I mean, if you consider what clubs are looking at Ivan Tony right now, Chelsea and Arsenal. Well, Chelsea, you've seen the sort of money they've been spending on like central midfielders of over £100 million. So if you've got a game-changing centre-forward, you're going to be like, why would I let this guy go at half the value of that when... He could change his season, so I think that's probably where it where it ultimately comes from. And and Brentford had no real intent to sell him unless it's really good money. Brentford eleventh in the league without Ivan Tony, and probably believing they could get as high as like seventh or eighth if he was to come in and actually hit the ground running and and, and get them over the line in a few games that they haven't so far. So that will be part of that plan. Um, I'll move on to number four. Liverpool um, have been hit by another injury, uh, Joel Matip facing a layoff. And I think that this brings under the microscope the need for, oh, well, another centre-back. But this, I think it's deeper than just another centre-back. I mean, we already know that they have problems at right-back in terms of, you know, Trent kind of plays right-back, but he's never really there and that teams keep exploiting the spaces. So you've got this... Centre-back, right-back conundrum. But you've also kind of got a number six conundrum as well at Liverpool, where Alexis McAllister obviously has, has been used there quite a bit this season and uh, it's, it's getting better. It's, it, there's definitely a period of transition going on for him and a period of learning. And that's makes sense because Liverpool have basically a new midfield and they're all still coming together. They've done it pretty well. I mean, they're second in the Premier League. They've got unbelievable home record so far this season. But this Matip injury is probably going to bring new expectations from the Liverpool fan base that perhaps they they go into the market to try and sign a centre-back. I mean, it's not going to be easy to go and do that at the very top level. I mean, the the name that's probably hanging around most since the back of last summer is Gonzalo Inacio at Sporting, um, who Liverpool have had on their radar for a while and so have Man United. Um, He's not cheap. Like, this guy is... He's going to be... um, He shouldn't be either. Like, there's no... There'd be no reason for Sporting to sell him on the cheap. Absolutely not. But the age that he's at, the profile of him, the league he's coming from, all makes sense in terms of like how Liverpool would want to step up their build. It's just, can they do it in January? Like, I hadn't really been expectant of it. But now that there's this injury to Matip, it does make me wonder if they're brave enough to go and do this. You think back to when Liverpool last were able to put themselves into title contention, that you know, obviously going back a few years now, but they took that jump to to spend extra money that had been set out for future windows by going out and signing Van Dijk and bringing in Allison and, and kind of just making this push that was able to elevate their position and get into a situation where they could challenge for the title quicker than otherwise might have happened. And I think at a time when Man City is showing vulnerabilities and it's there's potential for this season that City don't win the league, Liverpool have to consider themselves favourites to make the most of that opportunity because they've got the 
you know, more recent experience than Arsenal of actually going on to win this league. So really interesting to see whether they do exploit this uh, moment. But yeah, number four, I think if you're looking for a transfer fix and you're Liverpool right now, there's this whole area of the pitch. It's this, it's the six back into the centre backs, right back, and you're just like, how can they just like slightly level up here to make sure that they're ready for the second half of the season? Benjamin Pavar, probably. You say Benjamin Button there, and you're talking to me about my birthday. No, um, I mean you, you, are, you are. To be fair, Benjamin Button, you get younger every year. We we go on here. Um, I, I thought it was interesting reading Klopp's comments the other day about Gerald Quanser. Where he was like, oh, it couldn't be better news for the club, to be honest. I think before this season, a lot of people told us we should buy a new centre-half. We knew we had Kwanza. Did we know he'd show up like this? No, not exactly. We were pretty hopeful. So the future is bright. It's cool. Which I thought was one very nice. And I enjoyed watching it. But more than that, I think you, you kind of look at it and there is that ability to trust in, in players coming through. Obviously, we've seen Klopp do this before various players and um, notably Trent who you know established himself in the first team and became Liverpool's first choice right back at a very young age now I'm not sure that this is exactly the same situation but there is a feeling around Liverpool that Kwanzaa is firmly one for the future that any sort of loan interest seems to have been rebuffed part of that will be the injuries of course but also part of it is that they seem to have genuine hope that he will become a first team mainstay in the years to come yeah, that's a good point, and it's worth definitely worth pointing out. Um, it's just a case of, yeah, he's done. You know, it's, can you trust that? Can you trust that for when the going gets really tough? Do you want to end up in a situation like us? You know, I think probably this is a bit harsh, but if you think of Arsenal when Rob Holding was having to mark Erling Haaland, mark Erling Haaland to stay in the Premier League title race. Um, you don't want to be getting caught out like that. And I'm not saying he's like, he's Rob Holding like, but is he going to have the nows to deal with moments like that? I think that that's a problem. Um, and that's the what you have to really weigh up as to whether you spend money in this market. It's not an easy time to spend money. I honestly don't think there are going to be many teams in the Premier League that go and make uh, big signings in this, in this January window. There, there won't be. A lot of the business that we see will be loans. But Liverpool are one of the few that I, th- I think... Um, could surprise us by making a significant signing. Yeah. Okay. All right. It'll be a, it'll be an interesting one. Obviously, they might do their business before the January transfer window opens, as they did with Van, Virgil Van Dijk, announced on Boxing Day, wasn't it, with a Christmas tree? They like it. Don't all they? sorts of, yeah, they all like sorts it. of things going on. All right. And we always say, like, history. yeah, well, Liverpool do surprise us as well. Obviously, they've they've done that a few times. Endo being the last one when he came in to replace Hendo. So um, maybe we should as, just be looking. As at... Lil Wayne once Any... said, "Real G's move in silence like lasagna." <laughs> can you think of anyone that rhymes with Matip because maybe that's the maybe that is the route that they're going down um, maybe, maybe I should look into that for my next I don't think article. about it yeah <laughs> um, okay so number three is Fulham Fulham I mean all the other clubs here are pretty big uh, Fulham <laughs> aren't but um, I feel it's significant. I mean, enough people that listen to this podcast seem to have been taking Fulham into their hearts as their second team since uh, they've been listening to us. And I feel like it's a big enough talking point given the positions and the things that we're talking about here because Fulham didn't sign a replacement for Alexander Mitrovic apart from Raul Jimenez, who can't score a goal. And 
Hey, Joao Polinia. <laughs> he has scored one goal. Um, but I'm still going to say he can't score goals. And, uh, you know, Joao Polinia is going to leave Fulham, whether that's January or the summer. Can't be sure. I still think it's likely to be the summer. But either way, they're going to need to bring somebody in. And it looks like they're being primed to bring Andre in from Fluminense. But I'm always a little bit anxious about that because he's going to be playing in the Club World Cup soon. And I can't help but feel that that's a massive shop window that still remains open uh, for us to be hijacked. So that, that does scare me a little bit. But it's the striker. Like Fulham, they can... They try to play in the same manner. They've tried to use people in the same Mitrovic way, uh, whether it's uh, Carlos Vinicius or whether it's Muniz. Um, to some extent, Raul Jimenez can do some of the movements and the link-up play, but definitely not the rest of it. And there's just a gaping hole there for Fulham to like transform their season. Again, like Crystal Palace earlier, it won't get bad enough, probably, for them to go down. And that's why there's... No certainty from me that they go and make a splash in the market, but they need to. For my sake, for your sake, for the club's sake, uh, Fulham needs to go and sign my a striker. San- for my sanity. Honestly, the amount of chances that go begging in this football team because they don't have a goal scorer is ridiculous. And this is a team that just went and scored three goals at Anfield at the weekend. So imagine if we had a goal scorer. Um, so, like, where do they go? I mean... You've got Jurassi, who's being touted around the Premier League at the moment, but he's being touted to bigger clubs than Fulham now. I mean, Fulham, when I first linked him six weeks, two months ago, seemed reasonable, but at the moment, you know, he's been linked to Newcastle and Man United. So that's not great. And definitely there's potential there. Um, and he's not expensive. He's going to be about £15 million if he does leave Stuttgart. But beyond that, you've got like Santiago Jimenez, who's pretty expensive and again being chased by Bigger clubs. big clubs. Um, and anyone that Fulham starts to look at, even Armando Brozier, who gets linked to Fulham, I'm just not convinced he leaves. I'm not convinced he leaves and makes a jump. I actually don't think that would be a bad signing, to be honest with you. I, I, I no. think something like that would, would be quite fitting for Fulham. But they need something to happen because otherwise the season's just going to fizzle out and they'll end the season in probably 16th, 15th, and it'll just be as flat as it pretty much has been for the last couple of months. And the fact that the place has started to be, yeah, a bit of, little bit of new life in it recently, um, especially after the weekend, I want to see something happen here. Say, like, Polina, fine, he'll probably leave, but... To be in a situation where you lose Mitrovic and Palinia and not replace that quality, it's just not acceptable. Like you have to at least give it a go, and mm. we'll see because this this really is a transfer fix that has to be made. Yeah, I mean the one that intrigues me, I think the most is Jonas Vind at Wolfsburg, which has been touted a little bit by the German press recently, and that as a profile works for me. That's the kind of transfer I would like to see Fulham make. And when you start to examine the options, and look, obviously, Jurassi is having a wonderful season. I still think he's in a hot hand streak. I think he's in a bit of a purple patch. And I'm not sure that his output remains this good. Now, a drop off from this is not the end of the world, because you'd still be scoring at an impressive rate. But I'm a bit wary that his 
you know, entire profile is being inflated at the moment by the fact that he's had an incredible start to this season. That obviously, naturally. But Jonas Vind, who's obviously been at Wolfsburg for, what, two years? It'll be two years in January, I think. Feels like the kind of profile Fulham should be after. And, and that makes sense. I like Brozier a lot as well. And I, th- I think that would be a really fitting and, and, and strong move. Also, very funny if Fulham replaces Serbian with an Albanian. But if you actually look at players that are linked and Fulham could get for potentially a reasonable fee, Vind is the one that I'm looking at going, yeah, that makes probably the most sense. Yeah. No, I like that. Yeah, I think, um, yeah, all the all the attributes are there, like you say. Um, so keep your eyes on it because that is a transfer fix that is absolutely necessary. As I say, for at a time when I don't expect a lot of money to be spent or significant moves to be made, Fulham are a team that absolutely should be uh, doing that. And if they brought in someone like Vind and Andre, then that, that does fix... Um, Fix something that's definitely going to be a problem over the course of 2024. Yeah, let's go definitely. into the top two because there's two teams here that are kind of going head to head to see who we're going to have as the the biggest club in terms of uh, shopping in in the January window. Uh, it was tough to know who to go for at one and who to go for at two. Um, I think I'm, I'm still like not into I'm not entirely sure which way I've gone. I don't think it ultimately will matter too much. But at two, I'm going to go for Tottenham, um, who, look, they, they've done brilliantly. I mean, I'm not sure I've ever seen a transformation as significant as this for a long time in the Premier League. Like the way that they have started playing under Ange Postacoglu so quickly and they yeah. so believe in what he's doing and continue to do it week in, week out, then it, it's just, it's marvellous what he's done. And I've been so surprised by it. You know, you warned me that this would happen. I did not believe that Ange Postacoglu could come into the Premier League, play this way, win everybody over in the space of a matter of months. And he actually did it in a matter of weeks. He's been absolutely eye-opening as to what is possible in the Premier League if you get the right man as your boss. But they've obviously been decimated by injury and suspension. Uh, it's derailed them in terms of where they were in the league after 10 games. And now they're now, they're now catching up a little bit and they've got to kind of refocus and figure out what they can do. But I was speaking to someone this morning and I said, what do you expect? And he's, he said like three signings is like absolutely necessary. You're now looking at a situation where Tottenham do, they were already going to prioritize a centre-back. That's absolutely necessary. They need a centre-back. Yeah. They need a midfielder now too. Ben Tanker out as a result of that Matty Cash challenge. He's going to be out. And uh, in, in January, you've got a situation where a couple of the players are going to be off at the African Cup of Nations and it leaves you uh, short in, in that spot for a while. And then, look, you've still got players you to call upon. Like, he skip. Well, this is the thing. You could skip and you've got Hoybier. And the Celso did well when he came in the other day. But if Tottenham really want to build on the momentum of the first few months under Ange, and if they want to back the manager and show that actually we've got a fantastic chance here to make the top four or five, we can't let it go. They've got to go and make a statement. So that means going to sign a centre-back, going to sign a central midfielder, and also going to sign another attacker. So 
Look, it could be that in midfield, maybe they get involved in that Calvin Phillips discussion. Like Calvin Phillips going to be leaving Manchester City. He's looking for regular first team football. I'm told he'd rather stay in the Premier League than go and try himself, say at Juventus. Not that Juventus is a bad option. It's obviously not. It's a chance of a lifetime. But his whole point is getting ready for the Euros and making sure he's in that picture. And it's a lot easier for him to go and join another Premier League team and fit into that than it yeah, is to go and we, test himself. We know how that works, Interior. right? Where where you're in the Premier League and you're in Southgate's plans and you're not, unless you're literally Jude Bellingham, and and you're not. Like we, mm. We've had the Tamori discussion before. We've talked about various players playing across Europe and we know that they're being... There's no coincidence that the moment Sancho signed for Man United, never mind started playing for them, he was suddenly back in Southgate's plans. Nothing here is difficult. No, exactly that. So it doesn't make it right for what it's worth. It just it just is the way it is. It's just the way it is. I mean, look, Phillips is Southgate loves him and he's he's worked with him enough times that he's probably gonna pick him even if he goes and joins Walton and Ersham for, for four months. But uh he's he's ultimately <laughs> he's uh he, he, for himself he needs to be in that, that pattern of playing regular top level football, being part of a team. Look, the concern would be if he went to Tottenham uh, instead of Newcastle that he could get dislodged from that team quicker because you know, Newcastle are going to be without Sandra Tonali for a, for a longer period and Tottenham are going to be missing their other midfielders but also he should believe in himself and back himself that he could keep players out of the team if he went in there and did well and then obviously in terms of attackers uh, you've got Jota Al-Itihad who hasn't settled into Saudi Arabian life and is going to be available for a transfer. Worked under Ange before. Tottenham looking at data when they're trying to sign players and make sure that they fit with what it takes to fit into the team. We already know that Jota's done that before under him and will completely understand it. So the transition to doing that would be easier. Samuel Illing Jr. of Juventus also being linked. 12 million um, apparently. That seems it's... like a steal. Yeah, actually, someone literally just messaged me about this, uh, and he's a Juve contact. And I just checked with him. I said, "What is his value?" And he said, "Yeah, fifteen to twenty million euros minimum. Um, no, million. It doesn't even say minimum. It just says fifteen to twenty million euros. Yeah. So, I mean, that's not a bad deal. I mean, this is a player who's he's come through the English system. Obviously, moved across, moved abroad at a young age um, to." to go and test himself and push himself and has now got, yeah, I mean. I know this is great point, but this is mental from Juventus. Like absolutely <laughs> like madness. Like why they think this is the right idea, I have no idea. But even if he's not in Allegri's plans for the next six months, Juve should be looking at the next phase of their development and looking at Eiling Jr. as someone who can step up and be like, yeah, a, a key figure for them. And I think, look, you're seeing someone like Jamie Bynard-Gittins emerge at Dortmund. How Juventus have looked at Ireland Junior's performances this season and gone, yeah, we could do without him. I, like, I, I have no idea. I have no idea yeah. whatsoever. What makes me laugh as well is they're like one of the teams heavily linked to signing Jadon Sancho. And I'm like, that doesn't make any sense. Why would you want to take a chance on him right now? Like, that feels very commercial-led. Not sure if that's a good commercial decision either. But yeah, I understand what you're saying. Um, so very interesting. I mean, Tottenham just in this position whereby they can't afford to lose any of the 
progress that they've made so far under Ange. And if they can just add a little bit more depth to that squad, they'll make sure that they are very well positioned to be challenging at the end of the season for a, for a top five finish. Um, just on, and at number just, one, just on Jota, sorry, before you move on. Yeah, yeah go on. There, there is a thing I'm a little bit concerned about in that I think Jota is a lovely player. I've, I've loved him for a long time. And, and long-term listeners to this show will remember that Sam and I were banging on about Jota V3 back in the Bleacher Report days. We were very, very hot on, on how good this kid was. I'm a little bit wary that moving... I, I obviously, he'll be under Ange, so I think he'll be fine. But I actually think that he might need a stepping stone before he reaches a Champions League club in, in the Premier League. I think he might yeah. need a, a mid-table team where he goes and sets the place on fire. He was someone I you know, heavily linked in terms of Fulham should be looking at this bloke in the summer yeah. before he moved to Saudi Arabia. And then when the links came out that he wasn't happy and he was looking for a return to Western Europe, it was another one I was like, yep, okay, that makes sense. There is a little bit of a danger with someone like Tottenham that there will be an expectation that he will deliver very, very regularly. And whilst I am an absolute firm believer in his talent, he does see, seem like someone who's a little bit easily rattled. And I think this Saudi Arabia spell probably speaks to that, that maybe he just needs somewhere where he's going to guarantee a start, you know, week in, week out, in order to to get himself settled back in European football after this spell out. Yeah, I mean, on a personal level, he's, he's found that move hard. And I think that maybe it comes in um, to some comfort for him to recognise the sort of manager he'd be playing under and know that he would fit and know that he could adjust. But yeah, I understand what you're saying there. You know, is he ready for a team that's knocking on the door again of um, being part of that that Champions League conversation in the Premier League? Or does he need to be in the, in the level behind that? He'll back himself, I'm sure, to be in the, in the top level. But, of course, um, there are reasons to have reservations around it. Number one is the team currently positioned one spot below Tottenham in the league. Tottenham are fifth and Newcastle United are sixth. But, yeah, they're obviously going to do business and they've got to be a little bit careful with it is the only problem. I mean, we're probably looking at three for Newcastle as well. Now, the midfielder, we just talked there about Calvin Phillips. As it stands right now, Newcastle have obviously been in in touch with reps around this and there is a feeling that Calvin Phillips comfortable with the idea of moving to Newcastle and going in there and obviously there's a spot for him in that midfield so if it's not him it will be somebody like him and that will happen they will sign a midfielder it's going to be on loan like Newcastle don't have the freedom in the January market to go out spending money they are having to be very cautious of their financial fair play position and that includes even cheap deals because they have to be careful about when they are spending cash. So, yes, they do want a forward. And yes, they have been offered Girassi of Stuttgart. But even at £15 million, because I'm led to believe that that is all up. It's all in one hit. And so that could... Look, I'm not an expert on Newcastle's finances. This is I'm giving you secondhand information that I've been told by somebody else. That could put them in danger of of touching an area of financial fair play that they don't want to get close to because they know that they're under such scrutiny now because yeah. of their ownership and because of the way they're going about this build. So they're going to be cautious around that. Now, of course, on top of that, 
Their goalkeeper's now injured. Nick Pope going to be out. Debravka will be given a chance between the sticks at Newcastle. But there's no avoiding the fact that they're going to have their eyes open to opportunities in the market. Aaron Ramsdale is going to be unlikely. Why would Arsenal loan Aaron Ramsdale to Newcastle and help them out? They shouldn't. Even if there was an obligation. And I doubt they will. If there was the potential for yeah, Ramsdale to make that that move long term, and if Ramsdale was like absolutely adamant that this is what he wanted to do, and Arsenal were to definitely bank, I don't know, 40, 50 million pounds in the summer, then fine. Potentially that could be done, but I'm it's been played down quite heavily to me in the last 24 hours or so that that could happen. David De Gea is a name that's being mooted as an option, obviously a free agent at the moment, big wages, but uh, there is potential around it if because of he's unattached. Uh, Ruben Neves is a player obviously owned by Piff, who own Newcastle already, and this controversial loan idea. Um, that there seems aren't to be being paid down as well. But there aren't many teams that could actually afford to take Ruben Neves. He's in such big money in terms of wages, but Newcastle could deal with it. They could find ways around that. Um, so <laughs> easy, enough, easy enough if you're owned by the same people, I assume. <laughs> exactly. There, there, there's ways around that, which, which helps them. And so that's... Oh, we're going to pay 0% of his wages. <laughs> they've, they've, they've loaned him to Newcastle. <laughs> well, they have to be free. seen to be paying something. Yeah, they have to be seen to pay something, I think. But yeah, so you've got the midfield position. I've talked about Jurassic and the potential possibly of, of going there because they, they do foresee that there might be problems going forward again with Isak and Wilson staying fit. There's also potential at, at centre-back um, because obviously like Botman being out is a massive blow to them. We've seen that Newcastle actually players that have been filling in so far this season have done brilliantly. Whether that was Lascelles, whether that's Liveramento. Yeah, Lascelles has had a real, a real comeback. I think a couple of years back, he was bottom of our Premier League captains list. I think oh, Sal have been 20th. And, and at the time, so reasonable. He couldn't get anywhere near the Newcastle team. <laughs> but you know what? His, his renaissance has been remarkable. So I just want to give some Give some flowers yeah. to Jamal Lascelles. He has been exceptional in the last few games when he's been called upon. When they do finally lift the Premier League trophy, it will be Jamal Lascelles, who's the he captain. He might be 51, it. but he'll still be there. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, they're, they're linked to the likes of uh, Ben Godfrey, for example, or somebody at Everton who's going to be made available. And they're, they're, they're being linked with him. That's so are Tottenham, strange. actually. That's those, very those strange that he just has, can't get a look in at Everton. And look, Branthwaite's been brilliant, but... The fact that Ben Godfrey is just sort of chilling there after all of the hype and also after being one of Everton's best performers, you know, over the last few seasons, not, mm. you know, in exactly recent memory, but there were definitely scenes where you're like, oh, Ben Godfrey is bailing Everton out time and time again here. The fact that yeah. he is just absolutely off the menu for Sean Dyche is wild. I think he's one of the best uh, players to look out for in the January market, to be honest with you, to see where Ben Godfrey lands. I mean, all the information we're getting is that he will be available and that, you know, the likes of Newcastle and Tottenham, That's very nuts, much interested. The, the fact that Everton are obviously, you know, <laughs> points deduction aside, scrapping for survival at the bottom of the Premier League. And they have a player there who's been looked at by teams scrapping for Champions League places who can't get into the Everton team. Yeah, absolutely that. Yeah. And on top of all this as well, um, they're considering in terms of the forward position, because they are going to be careful. And I think, you know, loans again is going to be the most likely option that Newcastle go. But they obviously have Minte, who is um, on loan at Feyenoord, and they are considering ways to bring him back into the fold. So um, that that is one to look out for as well from a Newcastle perspective. So there you go. Yeah, Newcastle and Tottenham, hard to split them. 
at the top and then Fulham, Liverpool and Arsenal, all as clubs with the potential to do some season defining business. And then Man United and Chelsea. Who knows? Who knows, mate? Who knows? Very much is that, isn't it? Uh, obviously, so much revolving around what those clubs look like in a month's time. It feels like they're far more spur of the moment than the rest of these rest of these decisions and, and that's maybe yeah. the wildest thing of the lot right okay we will leave it there for our main segment thank you very much to mr dean jones after the break dean is going to be giving us some birthday life lessons in a sort of gibberish stick with us Welcome back to Ranks FC. it's time for part three and it's a very special part three because obviously it's Dean's birthday. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday. There you go. I always That's forget that you're quite a good singer. Yeah, it's I forget people you do sometimes sing. forget that. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Most people are completely uh, out of tune on that, but you're bang on, mate. Well done. It's certainly better than listening to the gibberish alarm, so I appreciate that. <laughs> and excuse <laughs> not to do the gibberish alarm. Uh, what have you got for us, Benjamin Button? Oh, mate. Yeah, some guru wisdom to end the uh, podcast today. I mean, I don't know if we've got any listeners in their 40s. So I thought, actually, I'm very well positioned here on top of the mountain to actually give you all some words that can uh, <laughs> can, can guide you through life. Um, I'm listening, man. I'm listening. <laughs> I'm getting ready. I'm leveled up here. Uh, and you lot need to, to take heed. Um, listen, I think at, at three, one of the things I've learned in recent times is that worrying is pointless, utterly, utterly pointless. And so many people spend so much of their time. I think even if it's not our, your current generation, you look at the people around you, your peers, your your parents, your aunts, your uncles, your grandparents, whatever it is, you'll, you'll know people that are just like worriers, worriers, worriers. And it's your brain tricking you, forcing you to think about a worst case scenario that is probably never going to happen. Think of a time when you were laying, laying awake in the middle of the night and you were just like, couldn't get something off your brain and you're trying to come up with solutions at 2am, 3am. And then the next day you wake up, you better give it a second thought and everything just works out for the best. Like most of the stuff that we worry about does not happen. Occasionally it probably does. But look, you can if you can't solve that problem right now, then you don't do anything. If you can solve it, then go and do it straight away. Like if you like, if it's a pretty easy way to fix it, if you've got a parking ticket and you're worried about it well the best thing you can do is just find figure out a way to get that money just pay it because you're not going to get out of that so go and figure that out but if you can't fix something that you're constantly worried about if it's out of your control then just don't do anything just wait to see what happens because it's going to make you twice as miserable just waiting figuring out something and even if you do lay there stressing about it and the worst solution does come around probably that hour or two you spent in the middle of the night ain't gonna help you so there you go you can go and tell all tell your your mums and dads that next time that they they tell you I'm, worried I'm not worrying anymore I'm not, not worried about anything we're not worried anymore we're not worried <laughs> there we go first i'll probably lay awake one worrying about something tonight and i have to I have to play this back um I'm gonna, we're worrying about how i've edited this podcast never mind anything else <laughs> <laughs> just make sure it's out there mate and we'll be all right um at number two, so many people are just like, at the moment, it's cost of living crisis and all, all the rest of it. And, and everyone's so 
worried about money and putting money aside. And I hear people talking about pensions and bills and savings. And I'm like, don't worry about any of it. What's the point? Like you get one it's life, extension. right? It's an extension. It is an don't extension, worry about yeah. this stuff either. It is an extension of it because you get one life. And like you hear, like I've actually seen this on TikTok a few times actually recently where people go out in the street and they speak to people that are in like their, their 70s or something. And they're all just like talking about, just make sure you like around the people that you love. Just make sure you have experiences that you're never going to let go of. And like, don't spend like hours and hours and hours at work doing a job that you can easily be let go of at any moment. Don't spend like your whole life like shuffling money into a pension fund. Like, look, by all means, I'm not saying don't ever get a pension and set yourself up for the future, but don't put so much aside that you can't enjoy the current moment. Like, make sure you, if you can get the opportunity to travel, that you go and travel, that you get experiences that you want to do. Like, look, when I'm doing this podcast in 40 years' time and I'm absolutely skin, and I'm like, can we have some sort of like buy Dean a coffee because he's got no money? At least I'll have experiences. I'll be like, yeah, but at least that was that one story where to I went tell, to. Right? I went to athletic club with uh, Jack and Sam and that can get me through. Or oh, we went to Porto or I went to California, whatever it is. I'd have those memories and they'll serve me. <laughs> Hopefully serve me well. Stories, stories are the only currency one. I deal in. So actually having yeah. stories to talk about, I feel, is, is, is very, very crucial. Oh, there you go, mate. And number one, make football an even bigger part of your life. It's good for the soul, mate. Like... I was thinking about like Taylor was saying the other day what makes her happy and she loves being near the ocean or by the sea or going for a walk by the river like that is how she gets into a good state of mind she's in a happy place when she's doing that and like she's by, whether, by water. She, whether she is like yeah whether she's worrying about something that's as I say pointless or she's stressing about money which whatever she goes for a walk and she or she likes to sit and overlook something and I'm like recently like i've i went for a walk like a, obviously working from home you've got to sometimes get out of the house so just try and get out for even if it's 20 minutes just walk around and i walked down towards walton hersham there was um there was just a kid's game on i don't even know what age group it was and i just start instead of just carrying on my walk i was like actually i'm just going to do laps of this pitch and like stay in this environment because for me like this feels good and i got home and i was like that was so good for me like just being around football makes me happier and it doesn't matter if it's a football stadium or just Under a football pitch or if I'm at, maybe or if I'm just out there like playing football with Dylan and Reese. like it's very normal right these days to just sit there I know we all love football but it's becoming too normal to just sit there and watch it on TV and like that is your football um that's your football menu right there whatever you can see it like on your screen that's all the football that you're consuming time and time again but think how much better it is when you actually get out and see football with your eyes or feel football with your feet like having a kickabout or actually seeing a match and seeing the enjoyment and feeling part of it it feels so good it, it, like for me, football is the best form of escapism there is. And if I was to worry about something, if I was to stress about something, I genuinely think that the only way I could truly escape from that feeling would be would be through football. Like, and that's why 
for uh, for me, for you, for everyone that I assume that listens to this podcast, it is just such an important thing in our lives. Football will always be there for us. It'll take your mind away from anything. I'm not going to go quite as far as um, saying it's more important than, than life or death, um, as has been said before, but not far off, mate. And uh, yeah, just enjoy the football, people. DJ, I only have one problem with this. Mm. And that problem is that what if you're up all night worrying about football? Well, you shouldn't worry about football because there's absolutely nothing you can change about that. Uh, unless you're a player. If you're a player, if you're like uh, Nicholas Jackson and you're worrying about football, then that's completely understandable. Uh, but if you're Jack Collins laying there lying in bed worrying about who Fulham, Fulham against Worrying why Betis nine. are slipping down the table and why, why Fulham aren't signing a striker yet, then that is completely pointless and you should definitely find something else to think about. Thank you. I appreciate the <laughs> wisdom. And with that, I think it's probably time for us to call this a day. So all that's left for me to do is say thank you ever so much to the birthday boy, Mr. Dean Jones. It's been an absolute pleasure, DJ. Thank you so much for your words of wisdom, for your ranking, for your things you love. And you know what? For being the heartbeat and soul of this podcast. It really, really makes me happy that I get to sit with you three times a week and chat about food. Oh, that's it's very one kind, of my mate. That's great. Me too. And thanks for uploading it every week because otherwise nobody would know who I am and it would never have got out there. <laughs> that's, that's a separate issue. That's a separate. Logistics man Jack um, delivers on the back end. Dean Jones Cheers, delivering mate. on the front end. I hope you have a wonderful evening. I hope you have a lovely pizza. We, we start with pizzas. We should end with pizzas. I hope your pizza is delightful today and better than my one at the weekend i've been jack collins this has been ranks fc thank you so much for listening as ever and we will see you later on in the week gang take it easy peace final seconds of the game a chance to score and the chance has gone begging if your business's commerce platform keeps missing the target on golden opportunities get the mvp you deserve get shopify Shopify is the commerce platform revolutionizing millions of businesses worldwide. Whether you're a garage entrepreneur or IPO ready, Shopify is the only tool that you need to start, run, and grow your business without the struggle. Shopify puts you in control of every sales channel. So whether you're selling signed football boots from Shopify's in-person POS system, or you're vending vintage shirts on Shopify's all-in-one e-commerce platform, you are covered. And once you've reached your audience, Shopify has the internet's best converting checkout to help you turn them from browsers to buyers. What I love about Shopify is how, no matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the US. And Shopify is truly a global force, powering Allbirds, Rothies, and Brooklinen and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across over 170 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. This is Possibility, powered by Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com ranks, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com forward slash ranks to take your business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash ranks.